Can we give a big hand Happy face, and an A plus for the day. Man, that was that was brutal. And I I do that every time you die. <coughs> every time I got a tough reading, I'm like, what's oh, Jan? I don't stay with awesome. All right, so we're continuing our series on the text, and I got to ask you a question. Uh, how many of you uh, have cell phones with text messaging capability? Come raise your hand. Okay, good, good, good. All right, okay, all right. If, if you get a text, do you read it? Absolutely. Every single one of you reads. If you get a text message, you read it every single time. If you get a voicemail, you may or may not actually listen to the voicemail. You're like, I see you call. I'm going to just delete that one. I don't know that person. I'm just going to delete it, right? But a text message, you will read every single time, even if you're not supposed to read it. Like if you're in a meeting, you're talking with your spouse, your text message goes, you're like, I'm going I'm to turn that off. And you're like, read, read, read. Oh, okay, now I'm going to turn that off, right? <laughs> You'll read the text message no matter what. So what if I told you that you've been given a text that is guaranteed to be personal, relevant, and helpful? If I guaranteed you that, would you read the text? Sure, because you always read the text. You've been given a text from God. It's called the Bible. And it is personal to you. It is relevant to you. It is helpful to you. And I would add, it is life-giving to you. And so our theme for these next couple weeks, based off a series by Andy Stanley, is called The Text. And my whole goal for these next couple weeks is to get you to read your Bible. So if we could all agree to do that right now, I'm done. I'm going to just end right now. I have to prepare some stuff. So what I want to do today is kind of, kind of demystify the Bible. Because sometimes you pick it up, and let's face it, it's an old document. Written for a culture that does not exist anymore. And you're hearing what Jan's reading, you're like, they took the animals and cut them in two? What are they doing? What a mess, Right? And so we're going to take some time and demystify the Bible so that you feel more confident jumping into it saying, yeah, I can read this because I know, I know where it's going. I know what it's about. So the Bible is divided into two parts, right? The one part's called the? And one part's called the? Man, you guys are smooth. All right. And there are, a Bible is actually not really one book. It's a series of books. It's a library of books. And there are, how many books in the Bible? I heard 60. Pretty good. Nicely done. 60 books. That's right. That's right. Divided into two parts. Old Testament and New Testament. And Testament is just another word for covenant. So we have Old Covenant and New Covenant. And covenant means basically binding agreement. Committed promise. It has all that circle of meanings. But it's a binding, committed, <laughs> binding promise between two parties. And in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, there are actually a number of different covenants that God makes with his people. That God says, and says, this is how we are going to relate together. And one of the most important of those covenants is the one that Jan read for us in Genesis chapter 15. God says to Abraham, I am going to make you into a great nation and a great people. And then God kind of clarifies that and says, and through this, through you, through this great nation, the Messiah, 
the Savior of the world is going to come. It's a pretty important covenant. And in this covenant, God says, I'm going to make you a great nation, I'm going to make you a great people, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And Abraham says, I got no kids, how can I believe you? It's a pretty bold statement, right? God, how can I actually believe you? And you wouldn't blame God for going, oh, I'll make you believe right now, buddy. <laughs> and God doesn't do that. Instead, he makes a covenant. And he uses it based on what's called a Hittite vassal treaty. You don't need to remember that for your salvation. But what involved is, is the two parties would make an agreement, a covenant, right? And to solidify or to sign the document, if you will, they would take an animal or two or three, depending on how important the covenant was, and they would literally cut the animal in half. Uh, yeah, I don't, it's nasty, right? It's, it's bloody. And they take the animal and they would put it on two sides of like a ditch. And the blood would run into the center of the ditch. And, yeah, yuck. And then each party would, would hike up their robes and they would walk through this ditch, get the blood on their feet. The implication was if I don't keep my word, you can do to me what we just did to this cow. That is a binding agreement. There are no need for lawyers in, you know, 1500 BC because you don't break that document. You just don't. And what's great about this text, Genesis 15, God makes a promise to Abraham. He says, I am going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. And everyone on earth will be blessed through you. And then Abraham falls into a deep sleep wakes up and he sees this vision of a torch and a fire pot walking through the ditch with the blood. Abraham does not go through. This is God giving a gift, giving grace, giving a blessing to Abraham, through Abraham, all people. That by this blood, everyone's going to be blessed. And then we come to a new testament, a new covenant. And Jesus says these words. He says, take and eat, this is my body given for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. Take and drink, this is my blood of the new covenant, shed for you, for the forgiveness of all your sins. So no more, no longer will God's people be sacrificing cows and pigeons and perfectly white lambs to appreciate, to, to appease the sin, to appease God and pay for their sin over and over and over and over again. Now and for all, Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the whole world once and for all. And the Bible is this story. The Bible is one story. And this is what I believe is the most miraculous part about God's word. Genesis was written by Moses around 1400 BC. The last book of the Bible is written by the Apostle Paul around 67 AD. So it's a series of 60 books written by over 40 different authors over a period of 1500 years. And it tells one story. 
That, my friends, is a miracle. You know it's a miracle because you, some of you have had this experience of you'll go somewhere with your spouse and you'll see something, you'll experience something, and then you tell someone else what happened, right? And your spouse will tell you that you got it wrong, right? It didn't happen like that. It happened like this, right? And you, two of you, in the same time period, experience the same event, and you can't even explain it the same way, right? That's why the Bible's a miracle. Forty different authors over 1,500 years telling the same story. So, pull out this piece of paper. Hopefully you got one as you walked in today. What makes the Bible a little hard to understand is that it's not written in chronological order. They don't put the books in chronological order. Why? Because they ordered it by the Pentateuch, the first five books. Those are the most important, especially uh, for the Jews, the most important. And then they ordered them by sometimes scroll size, sometimes just how they had it and just tradition. It's not in chronological order. So if you look at your little chart here, we put them in chronological order for you. So you have the history part of the Old Testament. We have Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Joshua, Judges. You see where I'm at? Keeps on going across. First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, and then below that is First and Second Chronicles, because Chronicles covers about the same period of time as First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. Does that make sense? Yeah, pretty, pretty simple that way. And then. There's the exile in Babylon. A little bit of a gap there, a 70-year gap. And it picks up again. Ezra, Nehemiah. And then there's another gap of 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So that's the history. So you want, if you want to just like, I just want to know the history, I just want to know the story, that's it right there. But maybe you want to know more about the commentary about the story. We call those the prophets. The prophets gave their commentary on what was happening in history at that point in time. It's kind of like watching uh, downhill skiing, right? You watch, you're watching downhill skiing in the Olympics, and you're seeing the story right, happen right before your eyes. And then you have the commentators commenting on the story, which I think is really funny because you've got Bonnie Miller telling people they're not being aggressive enough, or they're being too aggressive. That's what's funny. Oh, that skier's way too aggressive. I'm like, dude... Dude, seriously, you were always way too aggressive. He was either first or crashing. That's all there was for Bonnie Miller. But anyway, I digress. He was fun to watch. That's always true. He was always fun to watch. So the top part, prophets are like commentary. So Joel, Jonah, Amos, Hosea, Micah, Isaiah, Zephaniah, Obadiah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Jeremiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Those are prophets. And they're commenting on that period of history where there's stuff over. Make sense? And then below that, you have like the other category, right? So you have Job. And Job, we believe, is a, a fictional story written very, very, very early. And God's people said, boy, this is a great story. We're going to keep this one. Mm -hmm. Leviticus, Deuteronomy, lots of law. Really important. Really hard to read. I'm going to be honest with you. Ruth and Psalms, kind of another sub-story with Ruth and Psalms is just the hymn book of the Old Testament and the Jews. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, 
uh, wisdom literature. Song of Solomon is about sex. So if you really have trouble reading the Bible, start there. <laughs> Go for it. For the Jews, a Jewish boy was not allowed to read that until he was married. So if you're married, go ahead and read Song of Solomon. Enjoy. You can thank me later. Meditations, Esther, all sub-history there. Okay? That is the Old Testament. And then it flows into the New Testament. One single story. It begins, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Big, huge, cosmic scope. Universal scope. And then the story narrows down to a group of people, Abraham and the Israelites. This story is about them. And then it narrows down even more to one family of those Israelites, the line of David, King David and his, his line, his descendants. And then it narrows down even more to a person named Jesus. Jesus Christ, born in the flesh of the line of David and born of the Holy Spirit, God in the flesh. And Jesus comes and he makes everything right. He fulfills all the prophecies gone before him of the one who would come, the one who would save the people from their sin, the one who would redeem Israel and all nations, the one who would bring people back to God and restore that great relationship we had once again in the Garden of Eden at the very, very beginning. One would come. And Jesus, by his death on the cross and his resurrection, does exactly that. That by his death and by his resurrection, he reverses death, he gives life, he frees the captives. And it's for you. And to prove that it was for you, Jesus says, a new covenant I give to you, this is the new covenant, my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sins. He says that, and then he dies, and then he rises, and the very thing that Matthew records him saying next is this, go and make disciples of all nations. We're back to a universal scope once again. And this is the cool part. That means you're part of the story. The book of Acts continues and says, this is what the first disciples did. We went to Rome. We went to, to Alexandria and North Africa area. We went to kind of what we call modern day Greece. We got that far. But we didn't reach all nations. The story has yet to be finished and is still being written. And it's being written by God's church, which means it's being written by you. And so today, I don't want to just invite you to read your Bible. I want to invite you to join in the story. Do you remember those books, those Choose Your Own Adventure books? Do you remember them? They were really big in the 80s. You guys don't remember Choose Your Own? Oh my goodness, I loved them. Okay, so Choose Your Own Adventure stories. You'd read, it was like written for like elementary school kids. And you'd read part of the story, and then there'd be a question. Does the character do A? If so, turn to page 10. Does the character do B? If so, turn to page 12. And you would choose how the story would go. Part of the story. 
And God has invited you to continue the story of making disciples of all nations. And that's why reading the Bible is so critical. Because you've got to know where your story started and how God's equipping you in your story and how God's giving you his joy and his hope and his purpose in the story because you still have your own story to live out as part of the story, as part of his story. So what will you choose? Will you choose to say, you know what? I'm just here investigating. I'm just here checking Jesus out. That's a little much for me right now. And my answer to you is great. So glad you're here. Hope you continue checking things out. Some of you are here like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm good. I, I like Jesus. Jesus is my Lord, my Savior. He died on the cross for my sin. And I'm going to make sure no one else around me knows that I think that or believe that. And I'm taking my Choose Your Own Adventure book and I'm just going to put it down and not open it up. My prayer for you is this. As they get to the text, you see what God has in store for you. You say, you know what? I'm in the story. Lord Jesus, show me my part. What role would you have me play? I want to encourage you to jump right in. So on the back side of this is a little bit of a reading schedule. It's super short and easy. So on Monday, we're inviting you to read Exodus chapter 20, because it's the Ten Commandments. Some of you are like, I know the Ten Commandments. I know there are Ten Commandments, and Mel Brooks is wrong. It's not 15. It was originally 10. Sorry, Mel Brooks. It's Ten Commandments, not the 15 Commandments, right? Right? You're like, I know there's something about not murdering, not telling lies, and not uh, witnessing false bears or bearing false witness, something like that, right? So that's Monday, that's tomorrow. And then Tuesday, it's about David and Bathsheba. And you'll read about David, one of the heroes of the faith, who goes on to break nearly every single one of the Ten Commandments. And then Wednesday, you'll get to David and Nathan, where God calls David out. And Thursday, you'll see David's response. Friday, you'll see Jesus' response. We're inviting you to read that one because it's a great story. It's great because it's captivating. You'll just read it. You'll, you'll keep flipping pages. It's also great because it shows how God has intervened in your life, how God receives you, how God forgives you, how God restores you, how God sets you back as his child back in the story. Because David could have gone a couple ways. He could have written himself out. He could have said, you know what? Forget you, God. I'm doing my own thing. I'm on my own. I'm out. David didn't do that. My prayer is you never will either. That as you stumble, as you fall, you say, Lord Jesus, restore me, forgive me, restore unto me the joy of your salvation, as David wrote, and renew a right spirit within me. And God does exactly that. And by his forgiveness, 
through the empowering of the Holy Spirit, sets you back on your feet and says, back in the story. What will you choose? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you entered into your story, that you, the author, entered into your play so that we might be yours once again. That one day when you return to make all things new and restore what you once created, that we're back in that garden, back in your presence, back with you. Until that day, Lord God, you have a role for each and every one of us to play. And that role looks different from all each and every one of us here. We have different roles, but Lord, one story. And that is to lift you up as Lord and Savior. That is to give you glory for who you are and for what you have done for us, Lord, so that we might have your joy living as your people. Lord Jesus, we pray we might enter into the text, your text, that we might know your story, and in doing so, we might know ours too. Lord Jesus, give us courage. Give us boldness. The story continues until you come back. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Stand and pray.